Hey folks, welcome back to a very special installment of the DC3 cast. This is both uh, an episode celebrating the 10th anniversary of the New 52 and also the announcement, the official announcement, we've been teasing it for about a month now, of our new Patreon. So, Zach, why don't you explain to folks what our Patreon's going to be? Why would you put me on the spot like this? I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> that was a good Vince impression. I appreciate that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Let me list it in alphabetical order what we will be doing. Um... <sighs> wow. <laughs> Getting back oh. at me for all that Twitter stuff, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So for our uh, first ever Patreon project, we are going to be celebrating the New 52 um, by going through every book of the New 52 one week at a time and uh, just giving kind of an overview of our thoughts um, about the book, uh, you know, when it came out, as it went on, if we if we read it, if we didn't read it, uh, what we thought then, what we think now, just a deep dive on the on our favorite and your favorite, the New 52. Yeah, we felt that you know the 10th anniversary of the New 52 is is a a big deal. Uh, it's actually the, I don't know if I've ever said this before. The New 52 is the reason I started writing a multiversity. Um, that's when I was brought on board right right before then, and so. You know, this is a, this is a big deal for us DC Comics fans, and so we're planning. We have a year and a half planned, essentially, going through at least the first three waves of the New Fifty Two. Uh, like Zach said, one book at a time, not issue, but like a whole title. So you know, when we talk about Animal Man, it will be the entire Animal Man run, and um, it remains to be seen if we go past that third wave in this project, or if we just get burned out on it. I mean, thank God the third wave has Team Seven because I have a lot to say about that book. Um, but you know, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. That makes after one that. of us. I, I'm totally kidding about that. Um, hashtag Justin Jordan forever. Okay, I'm breaking in here because we recorded this before we had actually set up our Patreon or recorded any Patreon episodes. But now we have a better sense of what it actually is. So you're gonna hear us talk in a minute a little bit about what we're doing, but. Um, there's just a, some more information I can share. So if you go to dc3cast.com or patreon.com slash dc3cast, you will find our Patreon page where we have three tiers. We added a tier uh, in the middle of the two. So for $1, which is the one of three jokers tier, it's just a way of saying thank you to us. Um, if we ever make merchandise, which I don't know if we'll ever do, I probably think we won't because of copyright reasons and whatnot, um, you'll get access to it early. That's the only real perk. It's just a thank you, but I don't want any more of your dumb jokes in my ears every week. The second tier, we're calling Holding the Line at $2.99 plus one cent. That's a $3 tier every month. What that gets you is um, our episodes drop on Wednesday mornings now. You'll get them Tuesday mornings, a day early. We will be doing a quarterly bonus episode of um, questions and answers from our listeners and so you'll get that bonus episode once a quarter from us and you'll also get access to our new discord which we are calling lads chat even if it's not really lads chat because we include all people lads and non-lads because we're not jerks so uh, the discord day early episodes and a quarterly Q&A and then the $5 a month is a friend of Frank Leminski. That gives you everything I just talked about, plus the bonus episode. We've also somewhat changed the bonus episode. Each episode is exactly 
52 minutes long. I set a timer. When the timer goes off, we stop recording the podcast. So we have recorded a couple of these already. We will have, by the time you hear this, we will have four or five in the can. So we should be able to consistently put out a bonus episode every week um, going forward. So anyway, that's the info about the Patreon. Uh, As we say... This is just a bonus thing. Our show is not going to change. You're not going to lose out on anything you normally get from the show. If you want more, it's there for you. If not, we're not offended. Don't worry about it. Um, Okay, back to the show. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be fun. We're going to try to keep these relatively short, like, you know, 30-ish minutes. You're talking to three guys who can't shut the fuck up, so I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but that's our goal. Um, So this episode... It's going to be an overview of the new 52 and kind of a preview of our Patreon. I just want to say, nothing about the show that you get every week is going to change. We're not going to do shorter episodes. We're not going to we're not going to omit stuff to put to Patreon. Patreon is additional content. So if you just want to keep listening to the show as it stands and not support us, it hurts our feelings, but we're fine with it. Um, no, I'm kidding. If yeah, this isn't downloadable content that was cut for, or that was held during development of the DC3 cast that we're then going to <laughs> to release later. It's not on the disc. Don't right. worry. No, it's not. Um, so this is going to be, uh, I, I believe, we haven't, we we have texted about this. I'm, I'm, I guess we'll commit to it now. We're going to have two tiers to start off. Uh, $1 a month is going to be just a thank you to us. If, you, if you've listened to us for a long time, I want to, Chicken, ch- chucking a dollar, but don't want to commit to the extra episodes. Uh, that's fine. And then five dollars a month will get you a weekly weekly bonus episode. Um, our first goal we are setting is at fifty two dollars. If we reach fifty two dollars, we will do something silly to be determined uh, sometime in September or October, whenever we hit that fifty two dollars a month. And then uh, our second goal is five hundred and twenty dollars a month. <laughs> so we'll probably never get there. But if we do, thank you very much. We will do whatever you want us to do. That, Whoa. That one. <laughs> we'll finally release all of the uncensored Vince tapes. Uh, I'm only committing to feed picks. Okay. <laughs> we will We will post each of us. That should be our $52 goal. We all post pictures of our feet to Twitter. <laughs> no, it has to be to the Patreon. It has to be to just the people who put you're up right. the money. You're just, you're we right. don't give you're that right. shit away just for free. Patreon. Come on, what are you talking okay, about? Okay, okay, you're right. All right, just the Patreon. Yeah, right. yeah. Patreon, Patreon feed picks. We have a private Twitter. We have a locked Twitter account. We have a locked Twitter that we will only give out to. We we will only accept followers if you subscribe to Patreon. Zach has just agreed to run that Twitter, so there we go. No. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> One tweet every three weeks, maybe. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be pictures of our feet and then a picture of uh, Kingdom Hearts characters' feet, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I have to text Brian every time I try to make a, a tweet because I forget the password. Yes, that will 100% happen. Yep. Um, uh also, it, we will we will occasionally uh, in on that Twitter account we will post redacted uh, scenes from Lad's chat. Oh no! <laughs> this is all spitballing. We're not committing to any of we, the things com- that we just said. All we're committing to is the Patreon one dollar a month tier, five dollar a month tier, fifty two dollars gives us something silly. Um, but yeah. Uh, people have been asking for this, which is kind of crazy that people actually want us to do this, and so. Uh, this is just, you know, we appreciate you asking for it, and uh, we're sorry for what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But anyway, let's get to the new 52. So um, we are. this is being released on the, I believe it's 10 years and one day anniversary of the new 52, which started the last day of August 2011. And before we get started, why don't we each just sort of go through where we were in our fandoms at that point. So Vince, you were you were the most new 52 boy of the three of us. So why oh, don't you yeah. why don't you talk about like what you were what your like comics readership was like and fandom was like right before the new 52 started. So I was buying most of what they put out because um earlier that year I had gotten my first job out of college. And so then it was like free for all, right? Like I, it was the most money I had ever had in my life. And it wasn't really all that much, but like finally I could. So during, during college, the previous four years, I would allow myself like one, maybe two comic books a week. Um, Cause I didn't have a ton of money to spend. Um, and I guess I didn't know about piracy back then. Uh, I was certainly pirating a lot of music, so I guess I just didn't think comics were a thing you could pirate. Well, comics piracy, um, I feel like, was in a totally different corner of the internet than music piracy. Yeah. So it, it, there wasn't a lot of overlap there in terms of like the sites you would use for one versus the other. <laughs> right. 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 So I was I was collecting like you know maybe four or five. Uh, comics a month probably what do you think those were more like you uh, know a couple of them at least green lantern for sure was one of the uh, the jeff john stuff uh daniel way's deadpool oh, God. was one of them um and <laughs> i i don't have a good answer for what the other ones would have been i'm sure i had an x book in there um spider-man I th- amazing spider-man i'm sure um but just a small handful right so then I got my first job and I'm like going buck wild and I'm buying probably, you know, 10 DC comics a week at that point. Not the whole smorgasbord, but like most of what they're putting out for sure. So I was getting all the Batman stuff, all the Superman stuff. You know, there was some more esoteric stuff that I didn't know I should be interested in. I'm thinking of like, Zombie was coming out around that time. I zombie? Uh, no, zombie. Um, oh, the no, um, the milestones. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Which you know, critically was getting rave reviews, but I just didn't know why she. You know, I was a a luddite at that point, basically, right? You were a capes and tights and, guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. So I was getting most of what they were putting out. Zach, where were you in your fandom in 2011? I was pretty similar. Um, I, at that point, was pretty much like... I was 100% the Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison boy. So I got basically everything that they did, plus things that felt tangentially necessary to the things that they were doing. You know, by that point, I had bought like i had gone all in around 2009 it was like when blackest night came out so like i bought all of blackest night and like every tie-in which was like the biggest mistake ever um i bought all of flashpoint as it was coming out also a mistake 
Um, I, I was completely, um, I was completely on that kind of like Vince. I was in 2011, I was beginning my first real job, had a lot of disposable income and I was very excited, um, to spend it on DC comics. So, uh, but I was pretty much only reading DC then. I did not get into Marvel for a little bit longer. It was a little bit after the New 52. Oh, how the tables have turned. I um, know, right? So what What were, uh, aside from um, Green Lantern and, and Morrison's Batman stuff, what else, was there anything else that like, stands out in your mind is what you were reading at the time? Yeah, so like leading up to the New 52, things that I was reading, um, I did pick up that zombie series in singles that was good because i knew fraser irving from batman and robin um so i picked that up um i was getting the keith giffen doom patrol book um i was buying paul levitt's legion and his adventure comics mm-hmm. um i think that's pretty much it outside of the like green lantern batman stuff that was coming out um yeah i think that that is it okay so i i have dropped out of comics a couple of times in my life the last time i dropped out was when i graduated from college in 2004 and i dropped out pretty much until right before blackest night i would kind of keep abreast of things online just read about comics and when I heard about the idea of Blackest Night and the like, the colored lanterns, I thought that was just like, the dopest shit ever. So I started catching up around that time, um, mainly through going to the library and taking out uh, like um, collections, uh, you know, graphic not graphic novels, but like trade paperback collections of comics. And um, in 2008, I think or 2009, maybe my wife went back to grad school, and I had to get a second job, and so we had like no money. Every penny we made was going to either like our mortgage or her grad school. And I was working next door to a big library. And so I would go in there and I would get out books and, you know, using the internet as a guide to, to see what I should read, but also just like they only had certain books. So I wound up reading some really like important stuff. That's when I read infinite crisis for the first time. That's when I uh, caught up on green lantern rebirth and sort of catching up with all the green lantern books. But I also read like all of countdown during that time because there were limited books at my disposal. When she got out of grad school and um, we had disposable income again, I limited myself to, uh, before there was a multiversity, I still limited myself to $20 a week for my comics just because I was trying to stay on a budget. And then when Blackest Night came out, that, uh, like, by the time I had caught up with everything, I was then in too deep and I bought all the tie ins. I bought every Brightest Day tie in. Like I have that yeah. whole fucking Hawk and Dove series from Brightest Day. That's, that's real sicko. I didn't even do that. I um, just bought Brightest Day. Oh, I, no, I, I, I have, I have every issue of Brightest Day. I think I, I think I actually cleaned out most of them in one of my recent purges. But I had every single Brightest Day issue. Um, but some of the books that were sort of important right around that time for me, obviously the John's Green Lantern stuff was huge. Uh, Jeff Lemire's Superboy. I really oh, loved. I forgot yes. about that. Yeah, I was I, getting that. Yeah, I was really upset that that wasn't continuing in the new Fifty Two. That was that was, I think, the thing I was maybe most upset about. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I also really liked at that time. Uh, we've also talked about this ad nauseum. The Marcus Toe Red Robin series. Um, 
There's a big one that I forgot that should be on your list. Uh, what is it? The Robinson JLA run. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> God damn it. Why, why, yes, of course. I was, I was eating that shit up uh, Take a every drink, month. everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that will be Patreon content at one point, making Vince read the, the Robinson JLA run. Um, but yeah, and so um, that brings us to the new 52 announcement. So I didn't look up exactly when this happened, but just knowing the way that solicitations kind of churn, I would think that May or maybe late April is when the new 52 became announced. But Bleeding Cool was teasing it for a while. And I'm sure other sites were too, but like when I think back to that stuff, I just think of, um, you know, uh, of Rich Johnston just putting out like crazy ideas some of which obviously would never come to fruition, others of which were, like, eerily correct. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons that I personally love DC, and I've said this a thousand times, is that I love that, like, my dad was reading Superman comics in the 40s, action comics issues in the 40s, and I was reading action comics issues in... And I'm reading action comics issues in the 2020s, and it's the same comic, right? I love the fact that there's continuity and there's this connective tissue between these different books and all that. So resetting everything never really appealed to me, and I was... I was I had a pretty knee-jerk reaction against it. That said, I feel like... I, I love an event. I love believing, like you're in on the ground floor of something that's going to be really different and unique. And I did think that some of the stuff at DC, like, you know, could use a little bit of a refresher. The, the thing I'm specifically thinking of is I, I am always a big fan of a Titans book, like specifically a, not a teen Titans book, but like of the Wolf and Perez Titans doing stuff together, you know, as, as older characters. And that Titans book at the end of the pre new 52 was like a Deathstroke featured book by Eric Wallace that was fucking garbage. Just really, really bad. And I remember thinking, like, well, at least we're getting, like, hopefully a better version of that book. And then, of course, there wasn't a Titans book for seven years or something. Um, but, but yeah, that's that was sort of my initial take on the announcement. Were you guys excited by the original announcement or, or no? Um, I think I was. I was definitely intrigued by it. Um, I loved getting, you know, the announcement of all the books with their creative teams. I didn't know a lot of the names at the time. Um, but again, I was the Jeff Johns boy. John seemed to be kind of at the helm of everything. You know, he was getting the flagship book. Morrison had a Superman book. So like those two things alone had me pretty excited about it, I think. Vince? Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't like super pumped for the new 52. I was I was ready, man. I, again, like first time in my life that I had like real disposable income. I was ready to read everything and I thought like this is perfect for me. Somebody who like wants to get seriously into comic books but is also kind of a completionist. So for it to be like a ground floor thing you could get in on just seemed like too good to be true for me at the time. And yeah, I had read comics before here and there. Like I had been, I'd been an on and off comics reader for, you know, 10 years before that. 
but like it was very sparse and not really informed with a great sense of history, you know? Um, and so I understood the argument against like a clean slate reboot, but, uh, at the same time I was totally for it because, um, I wanted a place to get in on the ground floor and I was immediately disappointed to find that they almost immediately started backpedaling on that by essentially continuing Batman and Green Lantern for the most part uh, from the the pre New Fifty Two stuff. But then and then like and waffling on, they almost immediately started waffling on whether it even really was a reboot or not. You know, we'll I talk think about Bob that Hare, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we will. But I'm just I, yeah. The 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 context is like I was ready for a full clean slate year one style thing across the board. And and the fact that they were waffling and then also that they were doing this weird like five years in thing with every book oh, except for yeah. a couple. We'll have to talk about that. Oh we um, will, but I'm I'm not here to clout chase or anything. <laughs> Cause I was a dumb comics reader at that time. I had very poor taste. You were into and Morrison stuff. You didn't have poor taste. I, I, Brian, I had really bad taste. Let me tell you, or the the yeah, reasons the that I liked KLA. things were bad. Fuck the reasons off. that I liked things were bad. Um, but I will say that I like. I did have a. I don't even know exactly how to describe it because I definitely wouldn't have voiced this. I would have been like very insecure to voice like any kind of misgivings i think with the new 52 because i put a lot of like hope and enjoy like my my enjoyment and and things were like riding on it being good and i didn't want to disparage it in any way but like seeing it off the bat it like derailing things like batman inc and um that doom patrol book that i really liked and more robinson's jla um, some of the things that I was reading before it came out, even like the John's flash run, which I was like reading and for whatever reason, enjoying, <laughs> like I was a little upset that that got seemingly derailed by flashpoint and everything, um, or at least cut short. Um, so I think even going in, I had a few like reservations and misgivings about like what the new 52 was doing, but I was also so like indoctrinated and like like just completely consumed by dc comics that i turned a blind eye to a lot of that stuff yeah i i i think i i was in a bit of a similar boat i i definitely defended it to myself and like i mm -hmm. so when i came on board multiversity i had i had been listening so matt Malikoff had a podcast called spoiler alert which is how i came to multiversity initially and uh, I met him and his then co-host Joshua Mogul at New York Comic Con 2010, and they were total dicks to me. Uh, and I tease Matt about that all the time. Um, but you know, and so I was reading the site for a couple of years at that point, and I had said to Matt, I emailed him, I said, "Listen, if you're looking for some writers to help you, like I'm sure you're going to want to cover a lot of the New 52 stuff. I, you know, I, I I'd like to maybe try that." And so back in the day and I hope every current multiversity staffer listens to this and feels bad for us we used to review two comics every week without review copies so I go to the store on Wednesday and then we'd be writing reviews for Thursday and Friday and um, 
So I was I was buying like the entire New Fifty Two run because I was I was just trying to get into it, and I was also had this new thing running for Multiversity, right? So um, I remember like even in that first week or two feeling like oh this isn't as good as i thought it was going to be but having a real fear of like admitting that out loud and i think i defended it to the other multiversity guys pretty tooth and nail because i just didn't want to believe that this thing that i was really excited about was actually trash yeah Um, and i feel like that's a pretty common like feeling for like whether it's a a band you're into and you you want us to think the new album's good or like that's exactly my experience with with the Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, like uh, oh, but the Phantom Menace was actually good. Um, it, it wasn't. It well, we've had this conversation a million times. We know you're a sicko when it comes to the prequels, but I mean, look, the Phantom Menace isn't bad. It's the third best Star Wars movie. Oh, God damn you! Uh, but it's um at the this time. This is what you're going to be paying for, it, folks. <laughs> exactly. Yes. He's single handedly sinking our chances of making any money on this. Um. But at the uh, you know at the time, the Phantom Menace was not the Star Wars movie I wanted. Sure, I, I think that's a fair assessment. So um, you know, it was um, there was a lot of that like trying to see the bright side of all of this, trying to mm-hmm. be positive about it, even though there were things about it that were that were like really you know not great. Um, but there was there was so much of my like personal investment in this that I really wanted to believe it was going to be great. Uh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we all oh. felt that way to a certain degree. I, f- I forgot. This is a, I don't know how I forgot this. This is a key part in my secret origin. Um, I like started. So, Brian, you started Multiversity through the New 52. I started a blog. Well, I, know, I, know, I, know. I started at Multiversity. That, I did I not start you, Multiversity. I meant, okay. I, I, that's what I meant. I meant okay. you started yes. at yeah, I didn't. Yeah, okay. I can see how that would be misconstrued. You started at Multiverse. I don't want to steal Valor here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started doing a blog where I would not review all. Actually, you know what? I think I did review I... every, at least like every first issue. Um, I pirated a lot of those. I'll be honest, because <laughs> I I didn't buy everything. Um, but I think I did review at least every first issue. Yeah, I uh, I had my own Tumblr um, that I had started because I was so excited about the New 52. And, and, you know, famously, I purchased the entire first nine months of the New 52 um, before. And Brian, that feeling that you had, um, like, within the first month or two, I had that exact feeling, but it wasn't until, like, month seven, eight somewhere around there. Okay. And it was, it was really not until books started to get canceled. So like, so three months in because like, uh, because of the way the solicits work, we knew before issue four of static shock came out that that book was going to be gone for instance. Yeah. So, so it was after that stuff started happening. And when the, when the, when the editorial, stuff started kind of leaking from the the, like unhappy creators Mm -hmm. that was when because i thoroughly enjoyed like the first several months of the new 52 even if some of it you know for like dc traditionalists even if some of it didn't seem great or, or or was kind of flying in the face of what we knew about some of these characters 
I didn't necessarily have that context. And so I was just enjoying seeing it all come together and put the pieces together. And yeah, I enjoyed some books more than others, but, but I was enjoying the event as a whole for several months. And then that editorial stuff started to happen. And then they started waffling on, you know, Bob Harris started calling it more of a soft reboot than a full reboot. And then that's when you knew, that's when you started to see like, okay, they're not really going to commit to this. They started talking about the churn, you know, we're doing intentional churn of these books. And it's when it started to feel more like a, and I, you know, I'm, it's, it's always a product, right. But it started to feel more like a product to me and I was younger and more naive. So, you know, I became disillusioned, you know, I want to say around month seven. And that's when I, you know, of course with DCBS, you buy a couple months in advance. And so month nine was my last month of buying all the books. And that's really where I started to see all the seams and cracks and the things that weren't so rosy about it all. And, uh, that's, that's when I started to feel the, the feelings of regret, but, but Zach, like you, I started my own blog. I had a Tumblr. It was called every last panel and it was me reading literally every last panel of the new 52 for as long as I could keep it up and and doing reviews and yeah it was all i did it all with physical um copies and uh that's i submitted a couple of columns from that to multiversity and that's how i got the multiversity reviewing job that's um. also how i got into <laughs> multiversity was review was submitting some of my stuff which like that's also that's a somewhat funny story because i i think like multiversity had put out a call for more reviewers and so i emailed some stuff to matt and he was like yeah send me or i had emailed like interest and he's like yeah send me some of your reviews and then i did and he just never responded <laughs> um and i like probably emailed him like three or four times after that and he just never responded so i got i was like really mad and then, like, three months later, I was, like, still salty about it. So I sent him another email. And he was like, oh, sorry, dude. I just never saw those. Uh, send me another one and I'll look <laughs> at it. And then I got then I got on the site. Um, I remember. The rest was history. Well, it, the, I'm about to talk about history. I remember specifically Matt. So we used to do everything through a, a single email thread, <laughs> which seems yes. crazy now. Like there was, there was a multiversity email thread. It was called X Draft because before I got there, they did an X Men draft, like a fantasy football draft for the X Men, and so that's why this email is called X Draft. And I remember Matt either emailing in there or like messaging me on G Chat and saying like, "You're gonna love the two guys I just I just signed up because they they both love shitty DC comics like you do." Um, so my, uh, my multiversity password, which I'm not going to say here, uh, has obviously changed (laughs) since then, but Matt made it for me and it's basically like, duh, duh, new 52. Like it's, it's, uh, he, he made me from my, from my multiversity email, the password was something that was like very insulting to, to DC comics because Mm -hmm. at the time they were all saying how Image were the best comics in the world and Marvel was so much better than DC. And like looking back now, I can objectively admit that a lot of the DC stuff was trash. Um, but I will, I will also but maintain... But also a lot of the Image stuff was overhyped. 
Yes, well, I, I was gonna say I, I will. I will maintain that I don't think that the DC miss rate at that time, or let me put it. Look, I guess the DC hit rate was not that much lower than the hit rate on Marvel or Image at that time. Oh, I think that's wrong, but <laughs> um, DC's hit rate was pretty low. Like in terms of like, I'm talking about on like hitting for me, like not okay, uh-huh. uh, okay, okay, not okay, like yeah. critical successes, but I mean like. Like for sure. you know for for every like you know when I think back to like early to that period of Marvel, people fucking loved the heroic age, and that but shit the wasn't heroic that good. Age was good. It was okay. It wasn't. People were making it out to be like the best Avengers run ever, and it, oh, it wasn't. not the Avengers stuff. No, was that the Bendis stuff. Avengers? That was stuff? the Bendis Avengers stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 not no, no, that, no, no, not that. Well, don't let me turn this into a heroic age podcast because I will do it. Oh, I, I will. Uh, that's our, that's that. our next Patreon. Um, I will die on my sword before that happens. I was gonna say, I think I drank the Kool Aid longer than you guys. I don't remember exactly when I started to like realize that things weren't great, and even when I think I started to realize that, I still was like very excited. Like every time DC would release like the new solicits. Oh, like, of course. And, like, I was, like, still very in on Green Lantern, even though I was, like, kind of disappointed on it. Same And same with Justice. All the stuff Johns was doing. Um, gosh, like, I, like, way too long. I still, like, can remember exactly where I was when I first saw the solicits for uh, Forever Evil stuff. <laughs> like, the Villains Month <laughs> stuff. Like, I remember where I was. That's how sick I am. Uh-huh. Um like that may be the, I have said this exact phrase to you more than once, Zach, but that might be the sickest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> like that that is that is really that that's really bad, man. <laughs> oh I was uh helping uh teach my me and Maddie were um giving drivers driving lessons to uh, my younger sister in law. Oh, that's what I was doing. Okay, it was a memorable thing. And then you crashed the car because you, you saw Black the, Adam walking yeah, with like, Killer Croc, and you couldn't <laughs> take uh, it anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but now I don't remember exactly when I started. I don't know. I think I. It was at least by like one year in the thing that like, the thing that was getting me was not even necessarily like all of the creative like stuff going on behind the scenes like there was that but it was also this feeling that like you know me being a big lost boy like not an actual lost boy but a fan (laughs) of lost like brian um i was all in on like the mystery and like Mm -hmm. the you know the the unknown and like waiting for the unknown to be revealed and at least by a year in, I was starting to realize that like DC was not interested in answering any of the questions that I think readers had about the unknowns of the new 52. And that, that was starting to be become very frustrating. I remember specifically, um, I think this was when, so this would have been about a year in, in uh, the zero issue for DC universe presents. James Robinson had a little, uh earth 2 story in that about like mr terrific and it mentioned something about there being like eight dimensions in the new 52 and i wrote into the comic vine podcast that Ah! james robinson uh frequented asking like what was going on with the eight dimension yeah with sarah lima and the (laughs) (laughs) g-man 
<laughs> and I asked them, you know, what's the deal with the eight dimensions? And James Robinson was basically just like, fuck off, uh, read the books. And then it never got explained. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite sure I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they... they with the editorial like uh, kerfuffle behind the scenes, it really became clear that DC was more or less making it up as they went along. Yeah. And, um, you know, Zach, you're talking about the, the mysteries that were never revealed and starting to starting to fall away from that stuff. For me, it was, it was the opposite. It really was the, the creative behind the scenes stuff. The more we heard creators come out and talk about, how unhappy they were or you know creators who were leaving books um who was it andy diggle was supposed to uh write action comics and then like he left like he, an, an issue he, or two in right the yeah. one issue one issue in i believe uh-huh. there was a book that oh god who was it uh, i think it was josh fialkov who did yes. write, who did the write green some, lantern stuff Yes, that was it. He was supposed yes. to do Red Lanterns and um and Green Lantern Corps. And Green Lantern Corps. Yes, yes. Yep, and he left before before even a book came out at all. Yeah. I think. And then did, yes. there was there was also this weird time where like Gail Simone was fired from Batgirl but then she wasn't. Yes. I don't know I don't know if you remember that, but like it was just so weird and off-putting to me that this was happening. And as much as Bleeding Cool um, hyped me up for the New 52, because it was incredible the way that they would drop a column that would, like, it would tease an entire uh, imprint or family of books. And then, like, the next day, DC would be forced to talk yeah. about it or address it because they were basically getting ahead of the story every day there was something new to read about it on that site. Um, and it is a hell site, but like I was on there every day <laughs> reading that stuff with like bated breath. But then I read they that were site all... so fucking much. Sorry to interrupt. I read that site so fucking much. I would experiment with different ad blockers to see which one made it actually <laughs> enjoyable to read. <laughs> Turns out it was none of them. It, correct. Sorry. Go um, ahead. <laughs> no. So, but then, but then like, what was equally true was they were they were the ones who were at the they were out front with all of the editorial um misgivings stuff too so like if a creator was having a bad time like they were getting the story leaked to them and just reading that stuff month after month and week after week was getting to me and i was just thinking like you know as much as as much as I wanted this like brand new clean slate, really tight, editorially driven so that it was cohesive, I don't want that at the I don't want that at the cost of like creative freedom and the happiness of the people who are making these books. So the seams everything starts to fall apart then, you know? And th- and then after that it becomes clear that like you start to hear things about like um Oh well, George Perez didn't even know what was going on in Action Comics while he was writing Superman, and it was you know such and such an editor was 
telling the writer this thing and then Bob Harris was telling them something else. And um, Bob Harris, by the way, like the villain of... Oh. So I'm Eddie, gonna... Ber- Eddie Berganza too, but, you know, like those two... Holy cow. <laughs> so I'm going to tell a Bob Harris story in a minute, but first, Vince, I have a very important question to ask you, and I don't mean this to make you sound dumb, but you're going to say it's you're going to say that's the point of this question, but I swear to you it's not. If you didn't if you lived in a world where bleeding cool didn't exist, would you have thought all those comics were still good 9 months in? Pro- I I I would have held on longer than I did, for sure. Okay. For sure. The bloom was coming off the rose all because of the turmoil behind the scenes. And I think like, I don't think I'm any different these days where like, you know, me, we read a book and even if I like it, like six months in, if it's the same thing, if it's doing the same thing, I kind of get sick of it. You know, mm-hmm. the same thing would have happened with the new 52. I have, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, it just happened a lot faster because of that turmoil. Um, so I, I can now tell this story. I'm still going to leave a name out of it, but <laughs> Vince and Zach know this story, but this was a Bob Harris story, and while he was working at DC, I did not tell it on the air, but I will not reveal who it is. But so a creator told me, um, off the record, which I will keep this, obviously, um, that at that time, the book they were writing, they would get notes from their editor on whatever was happening, and they would say, like, every everything was subject to Bob and Dan, so Dan Deal and Bob Harris, and that sometimes... The editor would say, like, you know, okay, in this issue, and I'm I'm gonna insert a character that could never be in the book, so I don't give anything away. Like, there wasn't enough Spider-Man in this issue, so make sure to go back and add more Spider-Man. And then Dan Tadio would say, cut all the Spider-Man stuff from this issue. And then Bob Harris would say, you got to double down on all the Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> so like, they would get they would get contradictory information from all three people all the time. But apparently, both Dan and Bob would not consult each other when giving editorial notes. And so you would wind up with grossly different information. And even though they were apparently getting along well, they had very different ideas as to like what made a good comic. Uh, but so Bob Harris at one point called this creator into their into his office and was trying to get a point across. And to get the point across, pulled out a three ring binder that inside of it had photocopied versions of. Uh, <laughs> uncanny x-men issues that he had edited while he was at marvel so not like not a bind of x-men issues or like even you punch holes in a comic that's fucked up but whatever but like no xerox black and white copies of x-men comics that he had like in binders on his desk that he would say like read this this is this will help that's really I feel like Scott Lobdell was the only one who understood that assignment. Because, Scott, Scott never had to read so many them. books. He never had to read. He knew he, yeah. he was he would look at Bob and be like X Men two four two, and they'd high five yeah. or whatever, like you know, because uh-huh. they were both part of those terrible comics together, right? So. Yeah. And in Which, hindsight, his like Teen Titans and Superboy stuff is absolutely oh, it's nineties X Men, yeah, one hundred percent, yes, yeah, 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 and it's also funny how like. If it hadn't been for like Bleeding Cool and and like other similar sites, I might not have ever known who Bob Harris was or cared. You know, you didn't read the Bob and Bobby column at TBR. 
Oh, <laughs> well, that that, that was that was Babaganda. <laughs> the thing about it though brian is that like don't we love the inside baseball right oh it's like, the best it's better than like, the comics it is yes. better than the comics yeah when the creative like, even back then when i wasn't as like uh well versed in who all the creators were seeing those announcements or those teases come out through bleeding cool saying like Jeff Lemire is going to be on this book and this book. Okay, I didn't totally know who Jeff Lemire was at that time. Like, I read his Superboy, right? I liked his Superboy a lot. So then to, I, I would dream about the, the two titles that he would be writing when the New 52 started and what they would be like. You know, it's like baseball cards to me. Like, seeing all these mm-hmm. yep. names on a website, it's like baseball cards. And And so to figure out who Bob Harris is and who the people running it behind the scenes are like, I love part of what I love about comics is the creative process. And unfortunately when it comes to like DC and Marvel, a lot of that is how editorial works too, you know, which like I favor the creator in those situations, but you need to have an editor and you do need to keep things cohesive and they need to step in at times. And I understand why that's needed, you know, and so I wanted to like learn all about it and like who was doing what and just every step along the way he just came off as like the biggest heel of the whole thing to me. And that was even before you learned the stuff about Eddie Berganza. Um Yeah. You know, Dan DiDio gets a bad rap, but and there are things about his like view of what DC comics should be or, or certain characters that definitely I disagree with and think, you know, had a hand in kind of ruining certain characters in certain books, certainly. Um, but be that as it may, like at least I can say that Didio was responsible for a lot of the good too. Like there's stuff that we know that he championed that was oh. good. And what's that? <laughs> I said OMAC. OMAC. <laughs> but like stuff stuff that he was just like supporting behind the scenes too that that mm-hmm. types of books that would not have come out in eras before or after. Well like he was apparently a huge proponent of the war books. And like I don't necessarily love war comics, but that was something very different for 2011. Yeah. You right. Know? Right. And there were people that, there are people that do like those comics that aren't weren't being served by not having those right around right. you know yeah same with like i don't know i don't know how much of a proponent he was of like something like demon knights but that book didn't ex- you know a book like that didn't exist at dc in like such a prominent way that was the great thing about the new 52 to me and that's what endures after all these years that like even when books weren't good there was a concept there that was trying something even if they didn't execute it and demon knights is demon knights was awesome so i'm not really talking about that but like you know a solo voodoo book or something you know didn't turn out to be great but it was something different like voodoo's never gonna get a solo title ever again you know yeah um there's so much that they were doing back. Omac, Omac is never gonna get a solo title again. 
we're gonna go through in a minute the fifty-two books. Uh, just very quickly. Just like I'm gonna I'm gonna list them all because I do want to talk about how weird some of these titles are. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, let's go to a break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about sort of some of the best and worst of that first year and just start sort of talk about the overall breadth of the lineup. So uh, stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, so I'm just going to quickly read through all of these titles, and then we'll talk about some of our favorites, some of our least favorites, but I want to just sort of uh, make a few points as we're going through this. There are obviously so many bat titles in this, <laughs> um, but there's also so many books that, like Vincent, I don't think we'll ever see again in any real way. And if we do see them again, we'll see them because of the New 52, I think, not because of what preceded it. So um, if at any point, point... Yeah, thank you. Uh, if at any point you guys want to talk about a book, you can just stop me on this list and we'll talk about it. But otherwise, we're going to have a whole fucking Patreon about this. So let's, let's try yeah, to keep I'm gonna, this to I'm a... Yeah, I'm going to save my comments yeah. for... To, each individual uh, yeah so uh yeah if you if you name a book that i didn't remember existed i might go whoa <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah okay so we have and this is an alphabetical order in deference to vince um so, we have action comics all-star western animal man aquaman batgirl batman batman the dark knight batman and robin <laughs> you forgot about that uh david finch batman the dark knight didn't you Never I, 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 w- I wish I would have. <laughs> I believe there was a Batman the Dark Knight before the new 52, too. There was, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there was, too, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... it was written by freaking Frank Miller. No. <laughs> oh, Never changed. this guy. All right, uh, Batman and Robin, Batwing, Batwoman, Birds of Prey. Um, Blackhawks. Quick, quick note about the Batwoman thing. Do you remember that that was like going to be a book before the New Fifty Two as yes. well? But then it got pushed. Like it just kept getting delayed and delayed. Yes. There was that zero issue that like predated the New Fifty Two. Yep. Yes. Batwoman. Maybe I, I'm I'm gonna reserve this until we actually like talk about everything. But Batwoman may be the single most fucked over book all the way around of that era quite possibly uh blackhawks blue beetle captain adam catwoman dc universe presents deathstroke demon knights detective comics the flash frankenstein agent of shade the fury of firestorm the nuclear men (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be an episode right there um green arrow green lantern green lantern core Green Lantern, New Guardians, Grifter. For some reason, I want to say Grifter as like David Letterman. Grifter. Grifter. Um, Hawk Paul, and Duck. Paul, Grifter. <laughs> you enjoy Grifter? Cole Cash. Eh, um, eh, Cole. Yeah! <laughs> uh, Hawk and Dove, I Vampire, 
Justice League, Justice League Dark, Justice League International, Legion Lost, Legion of Superheroes, Men of War, Mr. Terrific, Nightwing, OMAC, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Red Lanterns, Resurrection Man, The Savage Hawkman, Static Shock, Stormwatch, Suicide Squad, Superboy, Supergirl, Superman, Swamp Thing, Teen Titans, Voodoo, and Wonder Woman. Man. Murder's Row. So which of those stand out to you as just like, that was that was the gabagool, that was the shit? Um, for me, action, I Vampire, Animal Man, Wonder Woman. I was the Wonder Woman simp for sure. Was I uh, am, but but that that run was like, what what am I reading? This this is like, this is this is like. Uh, this is like a, a Vertigo comic or something, which seems silly in, in retrospect. But um, And also, I was just immediately in love with and very deeply invested in the, the Snyder Capullo Batman stuff. I was the, like, simp for those guys. I like I'm not so much anymore. I mean, I love both of them, and I think they're super talented or whatever. But you know how, like, they have, like, weirdly devoted fans who it's just different, you know? Yeah. That, that was me back then for sure. I thought this was like the best Batman ever. That's wild. Yeah. I, I bought that entire run, but it was like begrudgingly. Like I mm. bought it cause I thought I was supposed to, sure. which sounds like the most privileged thing in the world saying it. Um, <laughs> But I think like I definitely thought it was cool for like the first six issues because also you have to like remember that was coming off of Snyder's Black Mirror, which I thought yep. that was like the best Batman thing ever aside from the Morrison stuff. Um, but I think by it was definitely by I think the eight ish issue mark. It was whenever there was that month that was like the Night of the Owls crossover little mini thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. By then I was like, oh, I don't like this. Hmm. I was, I was any of the court of owl stuff. I was totally in on. I never read the book monthly after the first issue of death of the family. I hated death of the family. Yeah, That's I, why did, I stopped. I, I was like, this is not, not, it's not for me. I think, I think the last issue of death in the family was like the first time I ever gave a DC book on multiversity, like what I considered a low score. Mm-hmm. Because I thought a it was seven. really bad. <laughs> I honestly think it might have been like a low seven, which in my mind then I was like, this is awful for a DC comic. Like, you were you were grading on the IGN scale. Yeah, exactly. I really was. Yeah, I was. Uh, so um, the books the, the books that I really like just stood out to me as being great. Can I initially. name two real quick before you go? Sure, of course. Sure. Two, two of the more esoteric ones that I liked were Demon Knights and Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, which I did not realize at the time was just BPRD. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, Sorry, Brian, you go. That's why I know. I was going to say, uh, this can come as no surprise to anybody. Uh, Batwing, I really enjoyed the first uh, six issues of or so. Um, I really liked the the Francis Manipole Flash right away. I soured on that pretty hard, but initially the, the visuals on that were just so great. 
I think that might have been my Trinity number one of the new 52. Which... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The um, same artist, too, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, again, same as you said, Vince, didn't realize it was BPRD. I, Vampire, same as Zach said. And uh, I really like the early issues of that Nightwing run by Kyle Ooh. Higgins. Um, I have not revisited that stuff since it came out, so I'd be very interested to go back. The one I want to throw sort of a, a half endorsement for was I fucking loved the idea for Stormwatch. Oh, Stormwatch was so bad. But the book itself wasn't very good. But like and it, I had not so read... disappointing. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. No, you go ahead. I, like, I had not read a lot of Wildstorm stuff at that point, but I was familiar enough with the concepts, and so to take those concepts and to apply them to DC like proper and have Martian Manhunter there, like I was eating that shit up, but it just wasn't a very good comic. See, at that point I had read all of Ellis's authority and his Stormwatch and Planetary. Um so I was like the Wildstorm boy. And I that was like my probably coming in like top three most anticipated books. And like I do remember reading the first issue and like knowing that this like this is bad. This is not good at all. Um Was that Paul Cornell? Yeah. Writing that? Which yeah, which like the most disappointing thing is because Cornell wrote Stormwatch and Demon Knights, and those were connected books. Like, you found out over the course of those stories that Demon Knights was the precursor to Stormwatch. Mm-hmm, and, right. like, it was all the same organization, and they were supposed to be, like, intimately tied together. But, like, Stormwatch was so bad. And also, yeah. Paul Cornell had just come off the... Um that action comics run that was centered around Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Yeah. That, that was something else I was reading because um, the, they, they got me because the first issue of that run had Lex in his um, orange lantern. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> they got me because it was like, was a spin out of blackest night. Uh, yeah. But that run was good. Um. All right, so now I want us to do the opposite. What were what were some books that instantly stood out as uh, Stormwatch? As stinkers. <laughs> um, I mean, besides the obvious ones, like well, no, talk about them. Like uh, for some folks, you gotta realize some of our listeners probably were not reading comics at that time, so they might not sure. know that Captain Adam was trash. Well, I mean, like I instantly go to like Hawk and Dove. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, even as like an impressionable young person, I never understood Rob Liefeld. No, like the appeal. No, I, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 older than you guys, and so like I was ten when Image launched, and so I feel like part of my DNA is always going to be those Image books. So I I got it more than you probably did, but by this point, I felt like unless he's doing like Young Blood. Why the fuck is anyone hiring him to do comics anymore? I was I was over him yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, like, definitely Stormwatch, Green Lantern. Actually, um, that book was already kind of on the way down, even though I was like never going to admit it. With Sinestro um, as the lead. Well, like, really in the like post Blackest Night stuff, mm-hmm. like the brightest day right, in the right, world, the Green yeah. Lanterns arcs were not very good. 
but the yeah then opening up with that like six issue green lantern like sinestro is green lantern arc that really did almost nothing i i was like very disappointed in that um justice league i was disappointed in pretty much from go but i wouldn't admit it um there was one more oh this was not a book i was excited for but like mr terrific was not good that's the worst comic of the new 52 (laughs) yeah yeah um I have to admit that I didn't, um, I didn't hate the Scott Lobdell stuff reflexively at the start of the New Fifty Two. I mm-hmm. I kind I kind of went along with it for a couple months and kind of liked it. I did too, honestly. Un- yeah, until until it got to the culling crossover, <laughs> when I realized like, oh, this is all just flim flam. This is nothing, you know. Yeah. They, they were pi- they were pitching it as like the first major event of the new 52 or whatever and it was nothing and um i I never recovered with me on the for those books um but the ones that i hated right away were um uh uh justice league international the jurgens the jurgens written one Mm -hmm. um I just found like the dialogue so hokey and like borderline offensive. And I know that that's how comics were written in the time period that he was trying to evoke, but it was also supposed to be, you know, like five years into this new 52 thing and still kind of evoke the eighties. And, but so like every character had an offensive accent (laughs) and the stories were just nothing stories um, so I really didn't like that book and, um, I thought Savage Hawkman was pretty bad and Captain Adam was part of the first wave, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I really hated that book for being such an obvious, like reverse Watchmen ripoff written by somebody who could not, it doesn't have like a tenth of the talent in Alan Moore's pinky finger. <laughs> that um, that reminds me, my most viewed art. I think I've maybe mentioned this before. But my most viewed article on my blog was leading up to the announcement of Before Watchmen, oh. when all of those rumors were coming around. Where I like believed wholeheartedly that DC was about to introduce Watchmen into the DCU, uh-huh. and like the the Captain Adam book the talons being kind of like a night owl analog Mm -hmm. um there were there were a few other things that like i had that were like my rationale for like how they were about to do it and of course it didn't happen but didn't we do that shit all over again when rebirth happened and we were like oh these characters that Uh in tom king's batman they're secretly night owl yes (laughs) gotham girl and, and gotham lad whatever his fucking name were were, just uh, was just, yeah, thing. exactly. Uh, uh, so, some of my least favorite books from that initial run, I hated the Teen Titans and um, Red Hood and the Outlaws. No, Superboy. I Superboy. I gave more. I thought Superboy had an interesting idea behind it, so I was willing to give it more of a chance. But I hated Red Hood and the Outlaws and Teen Titans. Um, those are both Lobdell joints. Uh, Mr. Terrific has my hatred of Mr. Terrific is well noted. Again, I gave that a 0.0 in my like, 
I want to say I was like two and a half months into multiversity at that point, maybe. I can't wait for that episode. Oh. I can't wait to see you get red, nude, and mad on our show. Yeah, I will certainly get all three of those things. Um, and then Resurrection Man sucked. And I, I honestly don't know if that was really bad or if I just didn't like it. But I remember it felt it felt so out of place. And that is one thing I think is worth discussing about the New 52 is that while there were these like families of books and while there was supposed to be a more concise continuity, some of these books felt like they were not in the same universe as the others. And some of them, like it, under, it makes sense why All-Star Western didn't feel like the rest of the books, right? Because that was supposed to take place at a different time. Or like Men of War or Blackhawks or whatever. Those are just different types of books. But like Resurrection Man, theoretically, should have felt like the other books in the line. And it didn't at all. Um, and then the last one I want to point out is I remember Static Shock being really bad. But again, I don't know if that was just... I had like just read via that library like the first couple of volumes of the Milestone Static Shock that I loved... So mm -hmm. I don't know if this was just, if this was just sort of, you know, the backsplash from that, or if that was really bad or not. I remember it lasted six issues. Yeah. What book? Was it six or was it eight? Static was Shock. A, was it eight? Was okay. All of the first. All the canceled books. Oh, okay. Eight. They were eight, not six. Okay, yeah. Oh, and Voodoo, Voodoo Blue as well. Um, <laughs> that was Ron um, Mars, and then Josh Williamson. Yes, I get. Oh man, that'll be fun to revisit. Um, one thing I got to say is even a lot of the bad books, the thing that I think kept, kept me hanging on is that some of the art was good. So like Superboy, not a good book in hindsight, but that was RB Silva on who's, art. Who's very good. Very good. And, you know, is better now than he was then. But still, even back then, I remember reading it and thinking like, Oh, this almost looks like manga to me, and I I like that, mm -hmm. you know, like the the art itself carried that, and then like, voodoo. I thought the Sammy Basri art was really good on that book too, even if the story was like nothing. Yeah, um, I, agree I, that. I remember for Grifter, it was I think it was Kafu on art. It was. I, yep, I was a fan of Kafu after Nick Spencer's Thunder Agents. Yes. <laughs> Talk about a memory hold book. Like, yeah, there's no reason for anyone to remember that, but all three of us do. No, that feels like a title that would have been in the first wave of New Fifty Two, right? But, but that it was like that. That was just... out of continuity. That I think so. Yeah, it was. That was like, uh, yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was that this was the first time that I remember, and I know it's happened before. Oh, sorry, one other book. Superman was fucking trash too. Superman oh, was that really was bad initially. So boring. Yeah. So boring and, and verbose. Yeah. Um, but this was an era where I feel like was the first time that I knew enough about the creators to be disappointed by them. So, like, for instance, Aquaman, I thought, was going to be a big book because you had Jeff Johns and you had um, Ivan Reyes doing the art for it. And mm -hmm. I was like, Aquaman's going to be great. And that Aquaman book was not good. Uh, it was no. plotting and decompressed and whatever. And I remember being like, oh, wow, I really like those guys. And it sucks that they're not as good as I thought they were. Um, that I remember being very let down by that book. I remember being very let down by um, 
there was one other book that I feel like I was very hyped for, besides Stormwatch. <laughs> Detective Comics. No, although I have to say, I, if you dug up my review of Detective Comics number one, I was kinder that than I should have been. I thought the freaking Joker cutting his face off was like, actually, I here's what I thought. I thought that that was going to lead to really interesting stories. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm a fucking idiot because like that, <laughs> that, there's no way that would lead to interesting stories. But I I thought it was a really bold move. I couldn't remember something like that really happening in Cape Comics before, which again is like it's just me being a dumb comics fan. But um, but yeah, that'll be a fun book to talk about too. All the, I really there is none of these titles that I'm not excited to talk about um, in depth. Uh, there were also, I, and one of the things I feel like is is sort of the overwhelming feeling I have looking back on the New Fifty Two, is how many books were just kind of nothing. Like when you look back at it, I thought that, that Supergirl book was kind of interesting, but Superman was nothing, Superboy was nothing, Suicide Squad was nothing, Ugh. Stormwatch was nothing, Static was nothing, Savage Hawkman was nothing, Resurrection like, like a good, th- a good third of the line, if not half of the line never went anywhere you know uh there was that legion lost book that like you know lord knows why that was a thing grifter legion books are so that that to me was the biggest like here's your opportunity to start fresh and make the legion books accessible and they completely biffed on it. They so, the like, opposite way. The Legion book was the main Legion book was interesting because it was just a direct continuation of the Levitt's book pre New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yeah, yeah. What did you say, Brian? Just before Zach's? Um, I don't even remember to be honest with you. Um. The one thing I did want to talk about from all these first issues, which was something that Multiversity noticed, was that every issue had a, a mysterious character in it, who we now know as Pandora. But at the time, uh, Multiversity uh, named him Car- named her Carol. We just picked <laughs> the name out of the hat and like her name's Carol. Why not? And so we would have Carol watch for the first like month, where we would just like look for w- and we'd post like up. Oh, Carol is sitting in the bleachers at Cyborg's football game in Justice League number one or whatever it is. Like, so in all those first issues, there was this mysterious character. And I don't think by the time that, by the time DC actually did something with that character, no one gave a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the time there was a lot of mystery built into that character, but I have no idea how much of it was actually like, I don't know if they had any idea of who that character was. Or if it was just here's his character, let's 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 throw it in. Uh, l- 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 let's throw it in the, uh, you know, in the books to make a, to make a mystery happen. Yeah, that was bizarre to me because to, to me that's like the the best like in in New Fifty Two continuity thing you can point to to say like look at how poorly all of this worked because she shows up in the in the first issue of every comic trying to tell the reader that there is some overarching narrative that like Zach, well, what Zach was talking about and that they basically dropped the ball with it. Like you said, by the time they got around to it, 
who could possibly care anymore. All these books were doing their own thing, and it didn't appear like this um, meta narrative was very important. Uh, beyond that, I feel like the Pandora slash Trinity of Sin stuff, that was the stuff out of the New 52 that you had to know the most about DC's history to even understand, I think. Because so much of that had to do with, like, Phantom Stranger, uh, the Spectre, I think. Yep. Like, these characters that weren't really showing up in the New 52, and when they did, it really relied on you knowing why they were important. And those right. are characters that if you're only... If you're only, like, sort of familiar with, like, Batman or Superman or Green Lantern and you're trying to get into uh, reading comics a little more, which was supposed to be the point of the New 52, you're not going to know Phantom Stranger's deal. Like, that's a that's a relatively convoluted character, especially considering they're not really present in, like, alternative media the way that Batman and Superman are, right? right. So it's a very new reader, unfriendly thing to wrap pandora up in as well and then you've got the th confusion where like you look at her and she almost looks like zealot from wildstorm <laughs> yeah people thought it was zealot from wildstorm yeah and that would have been like that would have made sense right like somehow because all these other wildstorm characters are getting roped in oh what if this is a version of zealot that is like important in a different way and then it just wasn't that either <laughs> So the whole thing was just very confusing. It was. Uh, we should also say that um, if we ever get hired at DC, there will be a Trinity of Sin, the question book, the one we never got. <laughs> mm. We will make sure that happens if we're ever hired at DC. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and is there anything else from the early days of the New 52 that we feel like needs to be discussed before we talk about how our opinions on the overall line are now. Mm -mm. All right, so Zach, when you look back at the New Fifty Two now, what do you think about it? Like, how how does it how does it sit in your mind? Not well, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean. There are a few books that I still like and remember fondly, but I kind of look back on it now with a lot of disappointment at like unfulfilled promise and really just being angry at myself for like being as invested as I was with so many of those books. Um, it's actually like probably done more to like hurt my estimation of like dc comics in general like the trajectory of dc post the new 52 because it's all been about getting back to the way things were before the new 52 and it's taken them 10 years to do that um so yeah not not great vince yeah i think um there's there's a few bright spots i can point to um a, a small handful of runs that like to, to me are, are really unforgettable like demon knights like dial h um there's a few others we'll get to them as we do our our individual podcast episodes um 
but on the whole, I, I, I pretty much agree with Zach. I think my big takeaway, okay, if I'm, if I'm looking at the new 52 in a positive light, what I would say is you can take any five-year cross-section of DC Comics or Marvel or anything, really, and you can say, here are ten books from that time period that were really good. And then the rest of it's, you know, varying degrees of mediocre or trash. Some books were good while you were reading them, but not really memorable. And I feel like the, the New 52 has a worse batting average than, than most. But, you know, there, there's still those five to ten books that were really good. So you can take something out of it. Um, what I would say from a negative standpoint is that I think it caused DC to kind of maybe the lessons that they learned were good for their bottom line ultimately, but creatively, I think they took the wrong lessons from it. I think these bat books being such success means that all we ever get are bat books anymore. Um, I think you still see, you see a couple of the, kinds of chances that they were taking more often in the new 52 like bear out these days like in the the random tom king book with a minor character that he gets to write you know like your strange adventures or whatever um your uh human target that uh you know is coming out like every once in a while you get one of those books um but really i think the new 52 and the churn and kind of the the failure of some of those books to sell or they they ended up at the bottom and they got churned out just encouraged dc to take less of those chances moving forward and so yeah like overall it's just a disappointing time to think about and zach's point about you know it's taken them 10 years to get back to where they want to get back to um that's that's disappointing too because i feel like i feel like there were three or four different times where we felt okay, they're finally going to do it. And then, and then they didn't. And that, and that's even worse than, than wiping the slate clean to begin with, I think. Um, I, mean, I, that think should... I, I think we're almost back there now though. Wouldn't you agree? Well, that's what we're saying. Yeah. But yes. are, are, yeah. are we, are we closer now than we've ever been? Absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry. Finish your point. Oh no, that's good. That's a good place to stop. Okay, um, so I think I have the highest opinion of this, which is, which is not what I would have guessed, but I think a lot of what I didn't like about the New 52, and maybe this will not play out when we go back and actually read some of these issues, but I feel like most of what I don't like doesn't matter anymore and has been proven, like, I don't want to say I was proven correct because that makes me sound like an asshole, but just, like, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that I did not, that I did not jive with in the new 52, but most of the stuff that was good, I think is really good. I think that now that you know that the continuity wasn't totally thrown out, it's easier to forgive some of the stuff that was thrown out because it's all back. Right. Um, so the way I look at it is, you know, again, I tend to look at a lot of stuff through the lens of music because that's sort of my first love and how I think about things. But like, Every band I love has an album or two that was a, a mistake for them, right? It was a left turn that didn't really work out. And so on one hand, I feel like 
it's very easy to look back at this now and be okay with everything because we know how it eventually turned out. I also will say that of the books that were bad, they were like terrible, but there's also some stuff that I think DC has not approached creativity wise since then. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stump for Men of War being like a fantastic book, but DC has not taken an on, a chance on an ongoing war book since the New Fifty Two. Yeah, closest they've come is Superman digging up a, a dead soldier's bones. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Yes, I forgot about that. Um, or like you know, Animal Man was a really different type book for them at the time. That was the first time that. They were willing to, like, dip back into some of that vertigo feeling, you know? And uh, I think that OMAC was the most clear Kirby pastiche that DC's pretty much ever done. And that's really cool. Uh, there, there, was, there was a lot of good stuff. I think overall it is – you can't talk about it without talking about the disappointment of it. But I do think it is – I do think it's better than I gave it credit for at the time. And I'm very excited to dig into this with you guys. There there are quite a few books I'm very excited to revisit and talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, last like, thing, like what? Um, I mean, definitely the ones that I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm really excited to talk about action with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that was a run that kind of got derided a little bit when it came out. But is one that has like my love for it has kind of only grown over time. I may um, reread all of that before we start. I'm probably going to as well. Um, that's probably the one I'm most excited to revisit. Um, but I think in general, I'm, I'm expecting to be surprised by quite a few things. Vince, are there any that you're specifically uh, jazzed about? Yeah. On, on the bad side, I, I do want to, I'm really interested to revisit that Stormwatch book because, like, while I remember it not being good, I didn't have as strong feelings about it as you guys apparently did. And I'm interested in getting back to it and and figuring out what really went wrong because I I couldn't tell you sitting here today. And and also, um, on the the good side, I I really do want to revisit Demon Knights. I've been meaning to for the longest time and... It'll be it'll be nice to be forced to do that. I am really interested to revisit the Fury of Firestorm because of what a shit show that was. Um, and I'm also interested to revisit like books like Blackhawks and Man of War and All Star Western. Um, I got a Patreon story for All Star Western, by the way. Oh boy! Oh, I know what I know what the story yeah. is. Um, it's more attack related. It is more attack related. Yes, it's a good tease. So uh, last thing I'm going to say is I want to talk about the, my experience with the first night of the New 52, uh, which, uh, first of all, did, did all of us go to a midnight thing for that book, for, for those books? Uh, I, I, did, I didn't. Yeah. We didn't. None of the stores around me did that. Oh, okay. Vince, did you? I did, yeah. I drove. I was working an evening shift at that time, and I got off at 11, and I drove to the comic store, and I was there for midnight, and it was me and, like, five other nerds. <laughs> But there I couldn't were, be more excited. There were probably about 15 to 20 people at my store, uh, one of whom was Dan DiDio himself. Uh, oh, yeah. I was there. He gave me uh, a Wayne Casino chip. 
which I still have someplace in my office down here. And um, he was like holding court with fans. And um, that was like Matt Malikoff basically said like that was the moment he decided to keep me at Multiversity because I, I had all this stuff that like the Dio had said. I'm actually going to pull it up right now. Um, you were going to get shit canned otherwise? Is that what I'm I think he was just saying I was still pretty new and he knew how I was going to work out. But I was like, you know, no, I, I have uh, I got this stuff for you here. Um, <laughs> when you Google, when you look up Dan Dio at Multiversity, I use the same picture of Dio looking confused for like at least two different <laughs> articles. Oh boy, that's fun. Um, but like he talked about um, how there were big plans for for both uh, Captain Marvel Shazam and also uh, <laughs> um, Raven. Like he, he made a big deal. Somebody there was, and I think it was because somebody there was basically like, uh, Mister DiDio, there is no Raven in the New Fifty Two lineup. Where's Raven? It was like, oh, big plans, you know. Just kind of, that was like his way of just, uh, yeah. just shutting that person up. But yeah. he definitely mentioned that. Um, I, I'm trying he to find. Said, the I'm certain I don't know, but I'll, I'll be performing his Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> Uh, excellent, excellent callback to uh, I'm, trying to the name, I'm trying to think of the name of the actor who played Fall Out Boy. I, I there was a time <laughs> in my life I would have definitely known that that name. <laughs> Jiminy Jellickers, Pete Wentz, <laughs> yes, Patrick Stump, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think this is going to be a really fun thing for us. And I hope it's a fun thing for our listeners if they choose to join us over at Patreon. Again, we don't have the uh, we don't have all the information just yet because we're recording this like way far in advance just because of uh, scheduling issues and whatnot. So we will um, we'll get all the details by the time this goes live. We'll have both tweeted and posted about the Patreon, and so it will be uh, something that's going to be very fun. I, I I'm. I'm excited about it. I think all of us are a little bit uh, are a little bit scared of it, but that's okay. Uh, I, I found this article. Okay, so I'm just going to read this article out loud because it's it's so great. Last Tuesday, DC Comics held an ev- held events all over the country to celebrate the release of Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one. At what su- at one such event, DC Comics co-publisher Dan Dia was chatting with some of the fans waiting in line. Here are some of the tidbits of that our intrepid source overheard. Goddamn, I hate how I fucking wrote. <laughs> In 2011. Uh, <laughs> God, it's we're off to a great start. 2012 will be a big year for the Batman Beyond universe. A Superman Beyond book was mentioned as more Beyond titles were coming. Could this oh, be the long... Happen. What? Those happened. It happened digitally. They got print releases. Okay. The Justice Society of America book will be part of a second wave of books coming out in the late winter, early spring of 2012. He mentioned February, March, April. I think it was actually May when those books came out. Uh, some of these books will be replacing books that don't perform well as part of the New 52. Others will simply be titles held back from the initial push. We didn't want all of our big guns to come out at once, said Didio. Speaking of the JSA... The D.O. said that it takes place on a new Earth 2, and the book starts out with an important moment in the history of the JSA. The D.O. said that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman will all be on Earth 2 in spirit, but wouldn't be a real part of the book. What will be a part of the book are the children of the JSA members, one day to be known as Infinity Inc., a few of whom will be quite young. Some will be exploring their 
powers against the will of their parents. I don't think that ever happened. The first part definitely did. Um, a very passionate fan asked about the fate of Teen Titan Raven, and Dio said she is one of the characters as a miniseries planned for some time in the future, and he was not wrong. Raven, daughter of darkness, folks. Uh, oh, yeah, but that was That was way years later, though. Yeah. Uh, when asked about Captain Marvel, Dio said there are currently no set plans for the Big Red Cheese, despite recent quotes about the initiative being all about the comics. Dio said the Marvel family is in need of a plan, specifically a plan of how to make the characters have a large impact across all media, not just comics, with tentative plans for late 2012, early 2013. That Justice League run was probably around that time, actually. It's amazing how much of this is actually correct. That's it, but... Yeah, a lot of it was just um, premature, I think. Yes, but uh, I'm still kind of impressed by that. Yeah, oh yeah. Anyway... That's our show for tonight. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Go to multiversitycomics.com for all your comics needs. Um, Vince is... uh, Would you say you're the one who's been pushing the most for the Patreon, or is that Zach? Mm -hmm. Sure, shit ain't me. It's me and and Vince together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. We hope that you guys check it out. If not... Honestly, no worries. It's not a big deal. But this will be fun for us. Say that. No, honestly. Say our, say our very lives depend on it. No, I don't I don't want people to and, and, and then this is just me being a, a, a simp for our listeners, but I don't want people to feel like they have to do this if they can't afford to do this. I've got mouths to feed. My wife won't let me keep podcasting unless I make money, so <laughs> Yep. <sighs> All right, well, I'm not being held hostage by a Borat voice, my wife, so I guess I don't have uh, the same level No, we're, we're just held hostage by Brian in his basement, cranking out these podcasts. And, I'm cranking uh, something weekly, in my basement. Weekly, <laughs> weekly Shonen Jump articles every two months. Every, every seven weeks, I burden you with that. I know, you keep us in the basement the whole time, and you just come down every seven weeks, and you say, pick your Shonen Jump book. <laughs> I could not be nicer about that column. Just Vince, saying. what's your pleasure? <laughs> Fuck you. Sideways. Anyway, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I'm at Brian is an app. I'm at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he's being a prick about something that uh, <laughs> that is no, not worth complaining about. But that's nothing new. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on Patreon and back here next week. Bye. We could just stop podcasting altogether and we could just have like a one and a half hour live lads chat together every week. Or whatever his name is would hang himself. We have to keep it, we have to keep it going for that guy. <laughs>